0: Well, we look to finish our little mini-series here on Christian suffering. Uh, Last time we were together, we looked at two of the four areas where suffering comes from. The suffering from the enemy, Satan's kingdom, and suffering from the curse of sin. So those are the first two. A couple of verses on, on that. Matthew 17 and verse 15 says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. So he suffered from the disease, he said. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Well, that suffering that he had there, as soon as it met the power of God, it stopped. In Mark chapter 5, verse 26, And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So she had suffered many things from many physicians. When she met the power of God, the suffering stopped. And that's how we saw with all the other cases that we looked at last time. They brought all the... All the sick that were in the city and he healed them all. So as soon as the power of God met that suffering, that suffering stopped. That would indicate that's not from God. But we want to take a look at the other two areas, our last two. That is the suffering from our flesh, which would include our own stupidity and suffering from other people, such as persecution. So does God send this suffering to us? Does God just allow this suffering to happen? How does he, how is God involved with this type of suffering? So let's take on the first one here. Suffering from our flesh or sin. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So he was tempted. Now of course there's a suffering and temptation because we know what the will of God is and then we know what the temptation is. Temptation is always against the will of God and it says that Jesus there was some suffering there in the in the temptation but he resisted the temptation so the suffering was uh, not something that God intended for him to to do to to uh to to give in to the temptation but the suffering develops us because we stay away from the temptation but the suffering comes because of our flesh nature who just wants to sin we just like to enjoy the the things of the flesh hebrews 5 verse 8 Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now that word there, perfected, of course is made complete. He was, it's not perfected in that he was imperfect and therefore brought into perfection because we know that he was born perfect while he was born of a virgin. In First Peter chapter two, verse eighteen, servants be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. So there's a, a the suffering we can have in which it is wrongful. We've suffered wrongfully. But so there be, you would think some suffering that is good or rightful, and some suffering here that is wrongful. But he goes on here in verse twenty. For what credit is it? if you, when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently if you suffer because of things that are wrong with you something that you did that was wrong wh- he says what credit is it so basically he's saying there is no godly suffering in suffering for things that are your own mistakes your own stupidity your own uh breaking the law or or doing something wrong there's no there's no godly suffering in that you made the mistake you're going to uh, you're going to take the punishment basically is what he's saying But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So he tells us very, very clearly here that the only suffering in this area is suffering that we do after we have done good. If I do good and suffer, well, that's commendable before God. But if I've done bad, if I've sinned, if I've been stupid, if suffering comes out of that, well, then it's my own fault. And that's not godly suffering. Sometimes you hear Christians—they do something stupid. They don't fill up their gas tank, you know. They they don't check the car out, and they run out of gas. They run into problems, and uh, they try and pass it off. Well, I was suffering for God. They I No, you weren't. You were suffering because you didn't do something you were supposed to have done. If you would have done it, then you wouldn't have suffered. So don't try and pass that off as anything that that uh, is is godly there. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Well, that's interesting. For To this you were called. Not to the other suffering. That's no good. But to this kind of suffering you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth, who when He was reviled did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. Who Himself bore our sins in His own body, On the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Now keep in mind the suffering that Christ did on the cross for our redemption, we do not partake in that suffering. That was done one time. I am not to suffer the suffering that Christ did on the cross. He did it for us. If He did it for us, it's so we don't have to do it. And if I go through it, then I'm not counting, uh, I'm not taking into account the suffering that Christ did for me. But there's other suffering that He went through beside the cross. And that's what He's saying to to um, to mimic, to go after. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, For he who would love life and seek good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So if you want to live long, if you want to seek good days, keep your tongue from evil, He says, and his lips from speaking deceit. So if I am to suffer... Because my lips spoke deceit or my tongue was speaking evil. That's not on God. He's telling you don't do it. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, any suffering we have that comes as a result of evil is of no good to God because He's against it. And who is He who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. So, again, suffer for righteousness' sake? This is good. Suffer for sin? uh Uh-uh. That's not good. And do not be afraid of their threats nor be troubled. So, if you are standing for righteousness, doing righteous things, then you are blessed, it says, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Boy, we see this all the time today. People who acted right, the media tries to pass them off as acting badly, Tries to uh, alter video and audio and, and change all sorts of stuff to make it look like they did poor. And, uh, but thank God. A lot of those things come to light. People find out what actually happened. So we are, we're to have a good conscience. When they defame you as evildoers, there's a, there's a suffering for that. People suffer because they've been defamed as evildoers. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. It's not always the will of God to suffer for doing good, but sometimes it would be. He's saying here to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So I would take from that that it's never the will of God to suffer for doing evil. It's sometimes the will of God to suffer for doing doing what's good. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. So, Peter has a lot to say about suffering here. Let's go over to chapter 4. First Peter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh and the lust of men, but for the will of God. Let me read that again for you that no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men. If we have... Let's go back to verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, and arm yourselves also with this same mind, for he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We're supposed to cease from sin. If we cease from sin, there's there's no God-planned suffering from any kind of sin or any kind of wrongdoing that we did. Verse 3. Verse 3 is a little bit tough to understand, so i got another translation for you to help. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelry, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. So when you stay out of the evil stuff and do good, they're going to speak evil of you. How many have ever heard people say, you know, call you goody-two-shoes? And, well, you're just you're just so righteous. You just um, have your nose up in the air. and You see yourself as better than everybody else. And they say these things about you because you don't do evil. And I, I haven't heard about it for a while, but I know I used to hear about people talking about that the only way that you can help people in bad situations is if you've gone through it yourself. Ever, anybody ever heard that? That uh, you had to be partakers. I've even heard people get up and give testimonies. Dear Lord. No one's ever done that here because I probably would have (laughs) would have stopped them. But people get up and give testimonies. God had a purpose for me being a drug addict because he brought me out of being a drug addict and because of that I've been able to help other people to stop being a drug addict. Well, God had no purpose for you being a drug addict. He didn't have any purpose for you suffering that. It was your own stupidity and breaking the the laws of God to go out there and do it. (laughs) He had no, no purpose for that at all. Now you went that way and the devil meant it for evil to destroy you. But that's all right. God says I'll turn it around. We'll make some good out of it. But you could have helped those people. I've heard people say, "Well, I, I got sick and I got put in the hospital and because I was in the hospital. I was able to witness to the person next to me. Then they got saved." I had. To, I heard years ago. I heard this somebody. I don't even remember who it was. They said, "Well, the best thing would have been go in the hospital, witness that person well." <laughs> But since you weren't, you were in there sick, then you, you got some good made out of it. But God didn't have a purpose for you to get sick. How can He, if He redeemed you from these things, if He's freed you from these things, that the power of God, once it touches people that were sick, they were healed. But see, people have to come up with an explanation. Why did I get this? Why did it not go away? There had to be some kind of good that came from it. Well, you can still make good out of what it is that the devil meant for harm. But it doesn't mean God had a purpose behind the whole thing to begin with. And that's how we start getting bad doctrine to come on out. And people start substituting truth for tradition. And uh, that's not good. We don't, we don't want to be doing that sort of stuff. So don't be trying to find a reason why uh, you suffered and there was some good that came out of it if it's a suffering from an area that God didn't ordain. And just because you suffered from sin and maybe you got some people that were in the area of sin that you had fallen into and you helped them, that doesn't mean that God had a purpose for you going in that direction. God just used the direction that you went into and uh, and helped that. I mean, if that was the case, how can Hebrews write about Jesus as a high priest who can uh, identify with us? How, how can that happen when Jesus didn't get involved in any sin? How can he be a help for us if he didn't get involved in any sin, if you have to be involved in the sin in order to help people to get out of it? See, that's ridiculous. Don't uh, Don't buy into that. It sounds good to some people anyway. If you don't know the Word of God, I'll say it this way. If you don't know what the Word says, it will sound good to you. It sounds good to human reasoning. But it doesn't sound good from the Word of God's standpoint. Let's read this again here uh, in the New Century Version. Since Christ suffered while he was in his body, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking Christ had. The person who has suffered in the body is finished with sin. Strengthen yourselves so that you will live here on earth doing what God wants not the evil things people want. Here's verse 3. In the past, you wasted too much time doing what non-believers enjoy. That makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? You were guilty of sexual sins, evil desires, drunkenness, wild and drunken parties, and hateful idol worship. Nevertheless, uh, uh, non-believers think it is strange that you do not do the many wild and wasteful things they do, so they insult you. Mm. Look at that. We got a new century version up there now, huh? I didn't think he could switch to it quite that quick. That's, that's good. I was excited when I saw that was one of the translations we had available. But uh, he got it up there a whole lot faster than I thought he could. Well, let's keep reading in the same, same chapter down at verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is in which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> now, read, Look at that. Do not think it strange. Some Christians think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. This is why we come up with explanations. Why did God allow this? What purpose was there for this particular thing to come into my life? And he's saying right here, uh, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. Now, God's not sending it. The enemy is. He's trying to break you. You've been warned this is coming. The enemy's trying to to break you. He's trying to, to pull you down. This is not some strange thing happening to you. Verse 13, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Now there are things that Christ suffered. He suffered harm for doing good. People spoke against Him when He didn't lie or misrepresent the truth. He spoke the words of the Father and people called him the worker of the devil. So they said a lot of these things about him. And there was suffering that went on. Verse 14, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. (laughs) You can be suffering because you're a busybody in other people's matters. Get your nose out of other people's business. Don't be talking to other people about what other people are doing. What they might be thinking. What they might have done. What they might have thought about doing. But some people get out there and they they get busy in other people's business. Uh, Don't don't mess with it. There'll, There'll be some suffering that you will have if you do it. And God's got no hand in it. Don't, don't, don't go in that direction, He's telling you. If you were reproached for the name of Christ, that's fine. You're blessed. This is good. But don't be a, don't be a suffering for a murderer. These people want to get up there and say, well, I was a murderer and God brought me out of it. And so God had a purpose for it. And no, no, He didn't. He's telling you right there. Don't suffer as a murderer. Now, if you did, God will bring you out of it. But don't go blaming God for it or putting some kind of thing on on God for it, for having uh, gone through all that. It was your stupidity. It was your breaking the law. It was your going against the things of God. Just repent, and God will turn it around and make some good out of it. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first... What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Mm. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. It is sometimes, it is not always, but it is sometimes the will of God for Christians to suffer for the gospel's sake. Did he not tell Paul he was going to suffer for preaching the gospel? He, did. he doesn't say that to everybody. But he says that to some. There are some places and it's it's not that I want you to suffer. That's not it. God says, I need you to go here. I know what they're going to do when you get there. But I need you to go through it. It's the will of God to go through that. It's not the will of God that it happened to you. It's the will of God that you be willing to go through it. Can you see the difference? God's not saying, oh, we want some bad stuff to happen to some kids. Let's pick some kids out there, some kids of ours, and who do we want to have some bad things go, oh, I don't like that one a whole lot anyway. And God's just up there picking different ones. And that's not the the way it's the will of God. What God is looking for is, who can we trust to send into this situation? Because it's going to be a fiery trial. Who do we have that can endure what's going to be dished out to them? And so God looked at Paul and said, Paul, he's a guy. We can send him into the fiery trial and he will come through this thing and he'll bring the gospel into it. That we'll send him because he knew he would, he'd be tough. He could take it. That's what you, that's what you need. And that's what they, what they had. The sufferings of Christ that we join in. Again, we don't suffer for the, we're not called to suffer his sufferings for redemption. That's not what we're, we're called to. But the sufferings we are called to join against or join in with is his suffering against sin. Don't sin. Whatever suffering you go through to stay out of sin, go through that suffering. That's all right. And here's the other suffering for the gospel. Preaching the gospel, standing for the gospel, believing in the gospel, whatever it is, they're suffering for it. If you're going to tell people that you're believing God, that Jesus Christ is the healer. How many know that you get some suffering from some people out there? I mean, some of them get quite, uh, adamant. Christians. We're not talking about unsaved people. Talk about Christians. Sometimes you can go through some great suffering from them. If you tell them you believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today, there's some Christians out there that put you through some great suffering. But stand for the gospel. Stand for what the gospel, don't stand for tradition. There's no glory in standing for tradition and getting suffering. But there is for the gospel. This is what Christ did. He stood against sin and He stood for the gospel. If you suffer in those in those areas, then it's going to be a good thing. You'll be blessed. There'll be a blessing on it. But don't ever look at it that God just wants me to go through this. No, God may need you to go through it. We just uh, finished some... Uh, uh, I didn't watch the football games, but I heard the football games going on. And I'm sure that there are some plays that the coach is calling. Who can we send into this? Who will have the, uh, the guts to hang on to the ball or the ability to hang on to the ball? And, uh, let's, let's pick so and so. I know that he'll catch it. You know, if you got a fourth down and you're trying to convert it, you got to put it in the hands of somebody that you trust to get it done. That if they get hit, they're not going to drop the ball. And you don't want them to get hit. You don't want them to suffer for it, but you got to find somebody. That if they do go through that, they won 't drop the ball that 's the kind of thing it is with with the gospel god 's got to make sure we, we we need somebody to go in here and we need this uh this this thing done. who can we get that won 't drop the ball and that 's what he 's looking for verse first Peter chapter five verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. There is some suffering in resisting the things that the devil wants to do. When you resist him, there is some suffering that comes from it. But he says, just know that there's other people around the world that are going through the same thing. But may the God of all grace... Who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So you'll be suffering for a little bit, and it's not necessarily because God wants you to go through it, but there's some resisting that you gotta do in that in order to have the victory. He says submit to God, resist the devil. There's some resisting you have to do, and there's some suffering that goes through with that. But it's all right. you'll get on through. You look at some examples in this area. Al uh, Samson was one. He suffered because of the sin that he got involved with, and of course his own stupidity. and the, the things he kept getting involved with the Philistines that he's supposed to be uh, wiping out and ridding Israel from, but he wants to marry one, he goes into the city does all sorts of stuff, engages in activities he shouldn't be engaged in, and he, he suffers some problems because of it. Well, he shouldn't have been over there doing those things. It wasn't God's will for him to get caught and put in prison and have his eyes put out and then kill all those Philistines at the end of his life. That wasn't God's will, but that's what he settled for. David, he, uh, he missed it too. He went out there and and sinned with Bathsheba. And there was a a bad, some bad things that came into the kingdom for that. That wasn't God's will. David suffered greatly for it. He suffered. He agonized over that child as it was dying. But the the Lord said, you gave the opportunities to the, to the enemy. Didn't give opportunity to God. You gave opportunity to the enemy. That's what sin does. So there's some examples on that. Let's move on here to our other one. This is suffering we get from people. Because people can be part of the suffering. And we've, we've already seen some of the, there's some overlap. And the last one we looked at, there's some, some things that came from people. But let's just take a look at the, the people issue. In Acts chapter 5 verse 41, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Well, they beat him. They exhorted him. And, uh, they were, they were excited. Well, we were counted worthy to be something. God sent us into a situation and he, he needed us not to drop the ball. And we didn't drop the ball. This is good. They were excited. In Acts chapter 9 verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go for he has chose, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. This is speaking of Paul. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, God's not putting them through the suffering. God wants the work of Paul to be successful. The enemy wants the work of Paul to be a failure. So it's the enemy that's in the suffering, trying to break Saul, trying to keep him from doing it. We saw John Mark, he ran off before it even got real bad. He, he ran out. Other people saw the suffering. They, they turned tail and ran. They didn't like it. But Paul stayed. Barnabas stayed. Silas stayed. Timothy stayed. Titus stayed. These people are, are folks who, who didn't drop the ball. They didn't give up because the suffering was was tough. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and of children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Well, God's got glory on the other side. The enemy's got suffering down here. He's trying to separate you from the glory. He's trying to separate you from the things that God wants to do. And He's going to throw everything He can at it. Now, God's not behind that. God's behind the glory. He's on the other side of things. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it says love suffers long and is kind. Well, who are you going to suffer by the hands of when you love people? Cause this is, a, this is a love talking about loving people here. Love suffers long and is kind. There's some suffering going on when you start enduring some of the junk that people want to throw out your way. No, no, I'm going to love on them and, uh, and bring them around to a, to a good place. Love suffers long and is kind. So there's suffering that is there. It comes to the hands of people. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which, which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he says here, he comforts us in our tribulation. Now, if he is behind the tribulation. And then he's also comforting you. That's kind of like him making you sick and then healing you, healing you, which is something Jesus was accused of. Now, that's not the that's not how he does it. He doesn't bring the tribulation. His hand is not in the tribulation and then also coming along to comfort you. Someone else's hand is in the tribulation and he comes along and offers comfort. Wouldn't that be a hypocrite if they were the hand behind the tribulation and then the hand behind the comfort? That'd be terrible. We watched movies with that kind of stuff going on. And we've seen a certain person in a certain, um, a gal or guy or whatever it is in there. And they're, they're behind the suffering that is going on for the person that's the, the star of the movie. But then they, they come to them and they offer them all kinds of comfort and, and, uh, and you're, you're getting mad. Because you see, this is a person who's two faced. You're getting angry at them. And then people say that God does the same thing. God does not do the same thing. He is not behind the tribulation and then behind the comfort. But all these people who believe that he might be behind the tribulation are all praying to God, Oh Lord Jesus. Oh Lord Jesus up. I've heard some people utter it with their mouth that God is behind the tribulation. And then later on just talk about, oh just pray for me. What do you mean pray for you? If God's behind the tribulation, you want God to come for you now too? That's just, uh, that's just ridiculous. I remember Brother Hagan, he was talking about somebody who was giving a testimony. And, uh, oh, she, she, she got up there and she was saying, oh, the devil has just had his way with me this week. Oh, the devil's just been throwing so much. Blessed be his name. <laughs> now, you get the idea what she was trying to get at, but that's not what she said. <laughs> but that's sometimes what people are doing. You cannot see God on both sides of this. Verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. So there is suffering. The suffering that goes on the inside is because we are hanging on, trying to do what God wants us to do. God's not behind the tribulation. The reason that we suffer is because we want to do the will of God. But he's not the one who sent the tribulation. But he will send the comfort. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will be part, you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Now see, a lot of times when people are praying for folks who are going through this, oh God, please take away the tribulation from them. Oh God, just let that tribulation... No, that's that's not how we pray. If that's the case, then God's behind it or God's allowing it. But that's not the case. The case is the enemy is coming to try and destroy what God is building. Father God, I thank you that person is following after the purpose and the plan that you have put on them and that they are fulfilling your very will and your very purpose. And the God of all comfort will be there to help them. You will be there to strengthen them. The enemy shall not be victorious in this, but you and your your people are coming into a place of victory. That's how you pray for that. Not this crazy stuff that people are out there, oh, give me strength in this terrible, terrible ter- tribulation time. Oh, that it's just, just 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 crazy stuff. Just oh I'm just here suffering. Oh, it's just terrible. No, no, no. You gotta look at what is the purpose. I am here to accomplish the purpose of God. And yes, there is suffering along the way. But I I God give me the strength. We are going to get through. We are going to press in. We are going to overcome. Because you have called me into this place to overcome, not to give in. And Paul says we kept pushing on through. We despaired even of life at times. But we just kept pushing on through. And God gave us that strength and we went on through and we overcame what the enemy desired to do against us. All right, let's go on to... We read all, all that. Philippians chapter 1. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whatever, oh, I'm sorry, whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together. If you're going to strive, there's something that you're striving against. There's a force coming against you. Striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Not terrified. You have adversaries. These are not God. God is not your adversary. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is in, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. So to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only To believe in Him. It's good to believe in Him. That's a good place. But that's your start. But also to suffer for His sake. You see, believing in Him doesn't mean that you're taking a stand for anything. But if you believe in Him and take a stand for the things of the gospel, you take a stand against sin, you take a stand for the things that you're believing for, because of that stand, people are going to come against you. And it's going to attract some suffering. That's alright. But don't just stop at believing in Him but also to suffer for His sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. In Philippians 3 and verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His His death. There's a fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. Again, it's the sufferings uh, that, w- that we stand against sin and sufferings for ministering, preaching the gospel. Standing for the gospel. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So it was tough over there in Philippi. We ran into some hard hard cases, some hard things. As you know, he says, but we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So every place that Paul would go to, people would come around and they'd bring conflict in there to try and make it hard for him to preach the gospel. The enemy would stir this up. If we can, get, if we can make it uh, turmoil in there, we can cut down on how much gospel goes out or how much they receive the gospel. And remember, Paul would go into a place and they'd start receiving the gospel and then people would come in and start stirring up trouble. And then people would leave and other people would stay and it made it hard for the gospel to be preached because some people gave in to what was being said. Even back then they were having false reports and uh, and, and news that wasn't true. They were telling them things. This is what Paul does. That's not what Paul did. But of course, just like today, nobody checks out things. They just uh, believe. Don't just believe. Go Check out some things. If you don't have time to check it out, then don't make a belief. In First Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that you are appointed to this. So he doesn't want anyone to be shaken by these afflictions because the purpose of the afflictions is to get you shaken. That's why they come. We're gonna try and get you, get you all shook up. That's why when the football game's going on and the linemen are lined up, they're saying all sorts of nasty stuff to each other. They're trying to get each other shaken. Trying to, to do some things. Get them thinking about stuff that'll cause them to be weaker. For yourselves know that we are appointed to this. You are appointed to this. God has appointed us to be in this world to stand for his gospel. But he, he even says in the world you will have what? Tribulation. But don't worry about it. I have overcome the world, he said. <laughs> he says you're in the world. That's all right. You're, you're going to get tribulation. You're going to get persecution. People are going to come after you because of the word that's in you. When he gave the parable of the of the seeds. As soon as the seed was, was put out, the attacks came. The birds came and ate some. The thorns and the thistles, everything comes after the seed. Once the seed is in you, the attacks come after you. Because of the seed that's in there. If you are, are given over the tra- to traditions and, and man's explanations of God, well the attack won't come. But when you stand for the faith of the gospel, then the attack is going to come. This is what we see today. As long as you're okay with accepting all religions, as long as you're okay with accepting sin and calling it good, you'll be fine. But make a stand and call something sin that God says is sin. And you'll find out that people will come from all over. Don't misrepresent the things that you say. Don't misrepresent who you are. Isn't it interesting that as soon as they find somebody that they don't like what they do, they have the exact same accusations every single time. They don't have any new ones. They got the same buzzwords that they throw around. Well, that person's a racist. It's interesting that before somebody stood up for the things of the gospel, they weren't a racist. But all of a sudden, now they are. Well, they're uh, uh, what they call homophobe. Or they they have all these different names they throw out because these are buzzwords. And they'll get these groups that'll get all excited and start, start messing around in their front yard, camping out in front, hurling things at them. This is what they want. Because if they come on against you with enough of this, then you won't, you won't stand up for it. So he's telling you, you are appointed to this. This is why I drafted you for the team. Because I knew they're coming against you, but don't worry about it. As they come against you, I'm with you. I'm with. He's not behind the 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 suffer the the tribulation. He's not behind that. That's not what God's doing. God's purpose is not that you suffer. God's purpose is that you stand for the gospel. In so doing, you will suffer. But you see, we flip. Some people have flip flopped it, and they see the whole purpose of it is to suffer. Just the fact that I'm suffering means I'm doing what God wants. No, you could be suffering and being stupid. You could be suffering and being sin. You could be suffering and be under what God has called you to be over. You're supposed to be over the enemy's kingdom. Instead, you're under it. And you're suffering from it. That's not what we're called to do. But he says here, this is what you're appointed to. Verse four. For in fact, we told you before that we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation. We told you. We told you tribulation's coming. Just as it happened, and you know. Second Thessalonians chapter one. These folks really went through some, some uh, suffering here in Thessalonica, especially by the time we got to second Thessalonians. We are bound to thank God always for you. Brethren, it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other, which is really good to be able to do when tribulation is as strong as it was for them. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in your, in your uh, persecutions and tribulations that you endure. The tribulations at Thessalonica were so intense that when people came and said, Paul was wrong, you are in the tribulation now, they believed it. That's how intense the tribulations were. Verse 5, well, verse 4 again. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. if God's going to repay with righteous, uh, how do you put it? Repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Well, he calls it a righteous thing. If it's a righteous thing for God to trouble those who trouble you, then God can't be behind the trouble. Because it can't be a righteous thing to stir up the trouble and then calm it down. That's not a righteous thing. But he's saying that the enemy has come in and done this and it's a righteous thing that he come against them. They want to trouble you, I'll be in there troubling them. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Well, sometimes we want a little bit rest before then. <laughs> in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, these are the ones that the tribulation comes from. Read that again. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of, a lot of people out there, they don't believe in the gospel of Christ. They don't feel, feel like they have to obey it. But flaming fire is waiting for them. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because your testimony among you was believed. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now get this. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy, we've already learned before. Timothy is the only one that Paul knows who has the same mind as he does. And this is what he tells Timothy. Man, suffering has been has been rough. Suffering has been tough. And uh, we've even despaired of life. But you come on in. <laughs> come on in to this suffering. I want you to be part of the suffering. Why does he want to be part of the suffering? Because he knows if you get in with the suffering, you get in on the glory. The greater the suffering, the greater the glory. That's why he got excited about it. The, the more you can dish out, devil... And the more I can take, the greater the glory. <laughs> and so he's get, he gets bold just from this thought. No matter how bad the devil throws it out of me, as long as I stay here and I endure it, it's going to be even better. The glory is going to be great on, on the other side. Where do we leave off at? Which? So we're on 8... Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling and not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. There's a purpose. you got to follow after the purpose of God and walk into the sufferings that way. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. He was appointed to this. He says, look, I know what I was appointed to. I was appointed to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. For what reason? Because I was appointed to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Because of the appointment, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Whatever it is that we are appointed to, there's a suffering that's going to come along because of that appointment. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound works. Which you have heard from me. In faith and love. Which are in Christ Jesus. Could you see the persecutions to come. The tribulations that come. They want you to let go. They want you to let go of it. Just like on the football field. They're trying to get the guy to let go of the football. To make a catch not a catch. To make a ball carrier fumble the ball. They're trying to get him to go. They're hitting them. They're, they're They're sending this. For that purpose. Now the coach didn't put the ball in the hands of that person. Because he wanted him to to give it up. He wants him to hang on to it. And God gave us the ball. He's appointed us certain things. For, For Paul was a preacher, an apostle. And a teacher to the Gentiles. Because of it. He suffered a number of things. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 7 Consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. He is not an evildoer but he is suffering as an evildoer because the people that are on the side of the adversary accuse you of things that are like an evildoer. And they treat you like an evildoer. But you're not. You're standing for the things that are, that are right. You're standing for the things that are good. But this is how they're going to treat you. You look at some of the news reports that I've, I've seen over the years. And they take somebody who did good things and they interview them and they make them look like the worst evildoer there was. Because they're not out after the truth of what a person did. They're out as to what we, what can we make you look like? How can we put you down? Because if I put you down, I put the gospel down. And that's what they try and do. One of the reasons I just dis- despise with every fiber of my being those news media. And every year, they just get me more and more, more fessed up. My wife and I, we were having a conversation and we're just on opposite sides of this. You can have a conversation, she'll tell you. And, uh, she's, she talks about certain ones that are in the media and so she, she just, she just has a heart for, them. oh, I just, I feel so bad because they're going to come into that day. And when they come in that day, they're going to be thrown into hell. And I said, I want a front row seat. (laughs) And she goes, how can you say that? I said, I want one. I am I want that to be one of the rewards. One of the rewards we get in heaven. Front row seat. Watch Katie Couric jump into the... See her go. There's other. Dan Rather. There he goes. (laughs) Because these are people that have tried to make the righteous look unrighteous. And to make them look like... To suffer like evildoers. These are the people... That in Paul's day, did the same thing to him. And they tried to stand in the way of the gospel. And they were tools used by the very devil himself. To try and make what is good look evil. And no matter how much they look on something. And they see the whole story. And they know the good that is in there. They will cover up on purpose every bit that they can. And present to as many people a view that never existed. My anger to them constantly gets hot. It never stops. And I want to see my God throw them into judgment. Because they have not just gone in a way of destruction for themselves. They have led other people into that area of destruction too. This is why God's anger gets hot and sometimes just throws fire down here and burns some people up. Because they're just leading other people astray. saw that more in the Old Testament than we see in the New Testament. When Elijah comes back, we're going to see some more fire coming down. (laughs) Some more people are going to get burned up. Anyway, he says, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the Word of God is not changed. So they put him in chains, made people look at him like he's a prisoner, like he did something wrong. You know, anymore, just because somebody gets accused of something doesn't mean that they did anything. All this stuff that's come out with the FBI used to be, many, many decades ago probably, used to be a respectable organization. And now they actually go in and they tell people to lie. Actually tell people to lie. And then if you do lie and it doesn't go good, then they hold you accountable for the lie and put you in prison. It's just ridiculous what they're doing. Just because somebody is accused, especially if a certain organization's to do it, if someone is accused, I immediately think, well, they're probably not guilty. Just because of who's doing the accusing. Therefore, I endure all things, he says, for the sake of the elect. Why should you do it? Why should you stand there and endure all this suffering? For the sake of the elect. Because you are going after the purpose of God. But when the enemy can begin to to taint this and get you to go after a different purpose, and people begin to suffer at the hands of the enemy, people begin to suffer because of sickness and disease, and they pass this off as suffering for God. It's not, you're not suffering for the purpose of God. You're not suffering because you're standing up for the gospel. You're suffering because you were, suffering because you were stupid. Because you went after things of the flesh. Because you went after things that you wanted to do. That's why you were suffering. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect because he has a purpose to get out there and bring those elect in that they also may obtain the salvation which is Christ Jesus with eternal glory. One one more over here, Second Timothy, or a couple more, yet. Second Timothy three, verse ten. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, of afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered delivered me. Out of them all out of them all? Out of them all? He talked about how he was in prison. In chains. Out of them all? He talks about how he was shipwrecked. Out of them all? He talks about how he spent a night and a day in the the deep. Suffering from no food. He delivered you out of them all? He was beaten with rods. He was whipped. And God delivered you out of them all? That's how he's looking at Hey, devil didn't kill me and I'm still here adding to my account. <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting that account more and more. Making that devil madder and madder. Because he just can't beat me. That's what he's, he's looking at. See, he's looking at a different way. We want to be delivered from the suffering. Paul wants to be delivered to accomplish the purpose. And that's what he did. He was delivered to accomplish the purpose. No matter what the devil threw against him, the purpose of God still stood. No matter what storms he sent against him to try and stop him from getting to where he was going to get, he still got through. No matter if he sent a snake or famine or hunger or whatever it was that he sent, he did not stop Paul. He kept getting through. That's what he's looking at. Yes, and all who deserve to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, or I'm sorry, all who who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now the key part there is all who desire to live godly. You have to have a desire to live godly. You can't be given into all these things that the devil's leading your way. You gotta stand up to it. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. There was a great struggle and there were some sufferings that were involved. In uh, Revelations chapter 2 verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. <laughs> How'd you like to hear that from God? Amen. This is in the letters to the churches. Do not fear any of these things that you are about to suffer. In other words, guys, I know it's been bad, but um, there's some suffering on the horizon. You think it's been bad now? There's some suffering on the horizon. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. <laughs> don't, don't give up on this. It's going to get real intense here. The devil is coming against you. And look what he says. He's he's calling on it. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. God's not doing it. He's not the one behind it. But he's going to be the one who's going to reward you for it. So, what sufferings are godly? Not suffering from what we have been delivered from. We've been delivered from sickness and disease. There is no way I should be putting any of my suffering from sickness and disease on God as being godly. Well, God's just having me suffer through... No. When the power of God came to sick people, they were healed. Well, I haven't been healed yet, so God must have a purpose. And that's why we get to it. I haven't figured out how to to get healed on the thing. The woman with the issue of blood, how long had she had, had those things? That's a lot of years she had it, didn't she? And... As soon as she met the power of God, what happened? It went. It was gone. Just because you suffer for a, a thing sickness-wise a long time doesn't mean that God has a purpose for it. There are some things we have been suffering from and, and um, we got to find out. What, what do I have to do? How do I get free of this thing? But if you've been suffered, you've been delivered from something. That's not something that you're supposed to be suffering from. So not suffering from what we have been delivered from and not suffering from what we have authority over. You've got authority over the enemy. You should not be suffering things from his kingdom. Not talking about suffering. Suffering comes from people. This is where the enemy stirs up people. Just like when Jesus was on the, on the, uh, on the, on the water. What, what stirred up the waves was the wind. And the, the disciples battled the waves, but Jesus spoke to the wind. Very often we battle the waves of the people and the forces behind it is the enemy. Not suffering from what we have authority over. Not suffering from what we have done wrong. If I've sinned, if I made a mistake, if I was stupid, I'm not, this is not godly suffering, suffering for what I have done wrong. But suffering brought on by our stand, first off, for the gospel. When I stand for the gospel and I suffer, that is righteous suffering. And the Word of God promises you will suffer for these things. And according to Paul, it can be pretty intense. Suffering brought on by our stand or or, um, for the gospel or pursuing our calling. When we're pursuing our calling, God has a calling on you as you pursue it. There's going to be suffering that will come because if you pursue the calling, you fulfill the purpose God has for you in the church, which means the enemy's kingdom is fought against. And the last one is against sin. Your stand against sin. Suffering brought on by our stand for the gospel, pursuing our calling, and our stand against sin. These are things when we suffer... We suffer righteously. There's a reward at the end of it. The, the, the suffering is going to be intense at times. But that's alright. The, int- the more intense the suffering, the greater the reward. The more that it's put to your account. Now God cannot be on both ends of the suffering. Either He brings it to you, or He brings you out of it. He's not going to bring it to you and then bring you out of it. Just like with Egypt. When the children of Egypt, uh, Israel were suffering at the hands of Egypt, God was not behind it. God did not inspire the Egyptians to come against the Israelites. The enemy did. But God was the one bringing a deliverance. And God would say, let my people go. And Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And God would send punishment his way. Plagues. Eventually he, all right, we'll let him go, and then he changed his mind, and then another plague would come. All right, I'll let him go, and then he changed his mind, and another plague would come. God wasn't behind the force that kept the Egyptians on in a negative way on the Israelites, but He sure was behind the Red Sea crossing, and He sure was in leading them out. He's not going to be on both sides. I put this in, in uh, I wrote this down for me, I didn't have room to write it down for you. If you can pray yourself out, then he did not bring it on. <laughs> if you can pray yourself out of something, he did not bring it on. If you see him as bringing it on and then you pray yourself out of it, you are seeing a conflicted God. And how offensive is that to God? I you mean, you're gonna see me behind it and then ask me to get you out of it? Uh-uh. You don't understand the Father. Do not see the hand of the Father behind anything that you are praying for deliverance from. Amen. Amen. You are accusing God of being a, hip, a hypocrite. One more verse. Matthew 27, verse 19. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife said to him, this is uh, uh, Pilate, Pilate's wife, have nothing to do with this just man for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. In other words, he's saying, don't get on that side of the thing. Stay on this side. On this side is good. On that side, if you get on that side, suffering is awaiting for you on that side. Don't don't get on that side. Stay on this side. Well, he didn't listen. <laughs> he uh, He got on the wrong side of that. Don't get on the wrong side of suffering. Stay on the righteous side. Understand what suffering is about. And, and when we, we started this off looking at Job, Job had all kinds of things go on. It was the enemy. There, you don't have to go into anybody else, else's interpretation. The, everyone who looks at Job sees very clearly the enemy was against, was, was about this. The enemy is the one who brought all this death and destruction into the place. It was the enemy. Satan is the one who did it. God is not behind. What Satan did, but God was behind restoring it. He cannot be on both sides. And what he, what Job had come under. Job had come under uh, something that he was supposed to have uh, rule over. But he didn't do it because he let fear get in. And fear gave an opportunity for the devil to get a hold of some things. That's why we could say that Job, the suffering that he did, He shouldn't have been going through it. There there was no pursuit of the call. There was no standing for righteousness. None of that came about because he stood for righteousness. It came about because he gave in to fear. That's not what you're you're supposed to suffer for. Suffer for righteousness' sake. Suffer for standing for the gospel. This is what the gospel says. This is what I believe. This is what we're going to do. Suffer uh, suffer when you stand against sin. I am not giving to that. No matter how much my flesh wants to go after that, I will go through this suffering and stay out of that. Suffer as you pursue what God has called you to do. Because people will come against you. But, it's alright. Your God is for you. Amen. Don't ever accuse God of being on both sides of anything. Because all you're saying to God is that you're a hypocrite and you're just saying how little you know about God. God is never a hypocrite. He is never against Himself. He is never a kingdom divided. He is on one side or He is on the other. And you can tell very clearly which side He is on. Because He tells you right from His Word, this is the side I'm on. Stand against them If you can pray yourself out, He did not bring it on if you believe that God brought something on you should not be praying yourself out of it Father we thank you that you are not a hypocritical God whatever you say is always true you are consistent you are always the same if something is sin 2,000 years ago it's still sin today if something was right 2,000 years ago it's still right today no matter what we come against the will of God is the same. It was the same yesterday. It is the same today and it will still be the same tomorrow. Our God doesn't change. He doesn't change with the times. He doesn't change with society. What is evil is evil. What is righteous is righteous. And if we make a stand for the gospel, if we make a stand for faith, if we make a stand and pursue our calling, We will suffer persecution. There will be those in this kingdom that will be stirred up by Satan, stirred up by the kingdom of Satan, and they will come against us. But you said, don't you worry. In the world you will have persecution. In the world you will have tribulation. But I have overcome the world. Father, I thank you for that overcoming and that you pass that overcoming on to us. And that we have great examples in the Word of God in Jesus, in Paul, in Peter, in John, so many others. We thank You for their example. We give You the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Any comments, questions, anything to add? Stephen says, don't we suffer for things beyond us, but not for the kingdom? Natural disasters, children with birth defects, how do we view this? Ah, There is a, sure, there is a suffering that can come in. Uh, we're, in a, we're in an imperfect world. Mm-hmm. And the birth defects, what was the other one, birth defects and? Natural, natural disasters, natural disasters and, and things of that nature. There were... Um, there are a lot of situations in the. We'll take the natural disasters one first. Uh, how many times have we heard? I've heard of of uh, people. Uh, one case was the tsunami that happened over in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Uh, of people who got word from God, they didn't know why. Don't go. Why? Well, Her one one pastor had uh plans to take his whole family over there, and uh, they had a week, two weeks, whatever it was, vacation planned, all paid for, and down in his spirit he says, "I have a check about going." Nobody else in the family had a check about going. It was only him, but he was the head of the family, and so he said, "We're not going." He canceled the trip. They lost all the money that they paid for the trip. They didn't go, but uh, they were all very ha- unhappy. They were. He was not very popular in the house at the time. But this is this is what occurred. Now, if you look at people that were in that particular situation, uh, did God not love them? Well, not everybody listens to what God says. And sometimes we have a check in our spirit and we just don't listen to the thing. When we had the um, uh, trade center disaster occur, mm-hmm. uh, we heard uh, some, a member of the church, uh, Sue Almeida, she said her brother worked in that building. Mm-hmm. And I believe, if I recall, recall correctly, it was the first morning ever he overslept. Mm-hmm. It was late for work that day. And by the time he uh, was on his way over there, the thing had already happened and he wasn't in the building. Now he didn't hear in his spirit to not to go, but uh, <laughs> that still that that particular one kept kept him out on on that thing. But other people uh, knew uh, not not to go in. They just knew I'm not going in. I don't know why. They didn't know why. They just knew not to go in that day. There were other people who went in. Uh, Brother Hagin was to tell us of a situation that happened in um, um, an oil rig, and uh, this one particular he was a member of his church, a deacon in his church, and he worked on an oil rig. Then you know it's dangerous work, but uh, they paid well. And the night before, he had a dream, and in that dream he saw him climbing up on this oil rig, and a cable snap and chopped his head off. And so that's what the dream was. Well, he was going. He went into work that day, and something occurred, and the foreman said, "So and so, go up there and take care of that." And he started. He started walking up the ladder and then remembered the dream. And then he walked back down again and said, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, I had this dream last night. And I think the Spirit of God, He, I believe he said it, the Spirit of God is telling me not to go up there. Well, another man said, um, I'm not superstitious. I'll do it. And he climbed right up there. And sure enough, the cable snapped, chopped his head right off. He died. Now you can't say that for every disaster. Remember Jesus was asked about certain disasters and he said do you think that the people on whom the tower of Siloam fell that were worse sinners than the rest? He says no, that's not the case. Uh, and it's not for us to sit there and judge if somebody fell victim to, uh, to a natural. I don't know what went on. I don't know if they heard something from God. I don't know if, if God says look this is disaster is going to go will you go in there and, and, and help this it will cost you your life. That may have happened too. I won't ever judge. I won't judge anybody who went into that tower and say, "Well, they were all unspiritual people." I don't know that. I don't know that God said, "This is what's going to happen." I need you to go in there and to and to help. He may have done that. So, in the natural disasters, don't ever pass judgment on somebody who had a natural disaster and uh, and and you didn't. That uh, just don't don't look at it that way, and don't be sitting there trying to figure it all out. I don't know how to figure all that. There is some suffering that will come on into in that. There's a, it's a natural suffering. It's not a, a spiritual suffering. There's a natural suffering that will come on from that. Uh, birth defects. You know, sometimes we get uh, people that were born and, and certain birth, birth defects. We've had some people in the, in the church. Uh, Malcolm Marvinus had, had one born birth defect and, and still she's at home. And they, they take care of uh, Victoria. And they, they, they do things there. Uh, I don't know what what went on with that we had the the fords they used to to be here they of course moved up upstate and took on the ministry up there and they would adopt people who had these birth defects and they'd just uh just take care of them and i don't have understanding of all, all those things that go on don't ever judge someone who's had somebody who is who had a birth defect well you just obviously miss god those are some of the most uneducated people unspiritual people to ever pass judgment on on that kind of thing that's just that is just wrong uh, and and I, I don't know what had gone on with that. I don't I don't have all the answers for all the all the reasons why those things go on. But don't ever pass judgment on somebody who's going through a, a, a certain tougher time than you are, because of some natural thing that went on. Just because they have that, that, that doesn't doesn't mean that at all. And the, those people I've seen the the Fords and they love on those those uh, ones that were unlovable. And some of them uh, they didn't make it through to complete adulthood. Um, they they made it you know, 18, 20, 30 years and they took care of them all that time and loved them all that time. And what kind of a reward is waiting for them up in heaven? I look at it that way. I don't just look at the suffering that goes on down here. Look at the reward that goes up in heaven because you took care of one of God's, God's kids. When they have somebody who was either born in the family with a defect or they adopted someone into the family who has a defect and uh, can't care for themselves all the way and they suffer all these things for them. How much... Is God looking at that and says, you're going through that suffering to help this one in this situation. What a great reward. I mean, what, what is God's attitude towards those who take care of the kids, the little ones? He loves it. And they, No, you let them little kids come on over to me. He says to the disciples, don't you, don't you keep them from coming over here. Uh, this, this is good. So you just look at the whole time. I'm taking care of one of God's kids. I'm taking care of one of God's special kids. These are ones that, because of the sin that is in the world and the different things that have gone on um, they they were born with a defect and uh, i 'm suffering and for some of the people it's a daily suffering that you go through and i i know i know uh, some of the situations that are just being discussed in here uh, i I know some of the suffering to go through i I think as dear Lord, would I have the patience to be able to go through that? Would I be able to receive the the great reward that would come because i I endured this, this one with the, with the problem. I, but you look at it. This is one of God's kids. And I am going to go through some suffering to take care of this, but I am going to take care of this child of God and bring them on into the other side and look at it from that, that point of view and it'll, it'll be good. I know the Fords, they've, I don't even know how many kids that they've uh, helped out. Uh, but a, but a lot. And I don't mean they just helped them out for a year or two. But they took on all their expenses and all the, the stuff. I mean, spoon-feeding them and, and carrying them from one place to another because they can't walk from one place to another. And uh, just just so many different things that they, they walked on. And other people who've done the, the same type of stuff. Well, you're taking on people that can't care for themselves and help themselves. And there's a, there's a lot of suffering that goes on. And... If you are a parent of one of those, then part of the purpose that you're called for is to take care of that child. And if you go through a whole lot of suffering to do that, glory to God, that's part of the purpose. And you, you can look at all those scriptures and talk about the reward on the other side. <laughs> glory to God. And that reward's gonna be there. And how much more? Cause every day you take that up. Every day you take that up. And so, there's just a lot of things that are going on in these situations. I don't know about, it. I don't, I don't, Bother putting my nose in other people's business. If God wants to tell me something or that person wants to tell me something, that's fine. But other than that, I don't put my nose in the business. I don't, it's not my job to figure out why that happened to that person. It's not my job to figure that out. I don't try and figure it out and pass it on to other people. Cause that's wrong. Thank God for people that are, that are helping these, these ones out. So, I don't, I don't know if that helps answer Steve's question there, but that's about the best I can come up with. Uh, <laughs> That answer on that. Because I still don't have all the answers. As Brother Hagen was telling us one time, when he was uh, 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 learning some things, uh, the, the Spirit of God spoke to him. And, and um, I think he said, I don't believe that's in the Word of God at all. Because he got in Revelation on a certain thing. I don't believe that's in the Word of God. If that's in the Word of God, I don't know it. And this came up to him. He said, there's a lot in there you don't know. <laughs> there's a lot in the Word of God I still don't know yet. I'm still learning. Every time we, we press into even some of the same things we've talked about before, or we press into it again, I expect to get more, more understanding than I had before. And, and, and always do. And, you know, 10 years from now, if we're still here, I'll be pressing in and learning more, because there's a whole lot more in this Word of God I do not understand yet. I'm trying. I'm, I'm contending to, to learn more. But so much more we don't. Don't ever pass judgment on what someone else is going through or what they have. You let God take care of all that.